Welcome to this week's Selk Grassroots Podcast, The Saturday Manager, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Searching for players? Searching for clubs? Find players and clubs near you right now on MatchHark. Playing football could never be easier. Download MatchHark on Google Play or visit our website at matchhark.com. Truly a great match. MatchHark. Keep it simple. Get down to play today. The UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to this week's episode of The Saturday Manager. I'm Mick Pusick, your host and manager of Bride and Roach Reserves, who play Kent County Division 1 West. This is the season finale episode. Uh, we played our last game on the 22nd of April. Um, we had Bexley and it was always going to be a tough game for us, as we kind of mentioned in previous episodes the ap- the injury list was absolutely horrific for us at the end of the season. I think from kind of mi- middle part of March onwards, um, we were struggling to get 11 players um, together. We probably had about eight or nine injured and one or two away each week. So um, credit to the lads that turned up. We had a really good end run. Um, you know, we were six out of six without defeat leading up to the Bexley game. And that's certainly um, a credit to all the lads um, for all the work that they've done over the season. I know Stuart and I were really impressed with um, everybody's attitude and application and, and, you know, for listening to us and following us over the season. Um, We definitely saw a huge improvement and, you know, as a whole, very excited for the next season. you know, we've we've kind of done the groundwork. We've got a good core there, and we know we know that they're good lads, and we know the majority of the lads we need will be back next season. And it's just a case of adding a bit more depth to the squad. Um, and I think with that, we'll have a really good um, a really good balanced squad for next season, and 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 bigger and better things will definitely be to come. Um, on the game day itself, uh, I think we were back to a flat 11 we may have had one sub on the day um Bexley very good team and uh, obviously and very large team as well when we when we when we saw them walking out I kind of said to my assistant it's like land of the giants I think they've got two center backs who must be um you know obviously good ballers but size wise over 62 six, over 63 probably 63 easily and their two center midfielders were um, really big as well. So you kind of had like a block of four in the middle of the park that were all over six three, I would say. And um very good, you know, air, very good at winning the aerial battles. And and so that that proved um I think very quickly there was a kind of speculative shot from about twenty yards out in the first minute or two and it's hit the underside of the bar, bounced down and out, keepers collected it. Um we had three match officials for the day and the uh, linesman, he's kept up with play, to be fair. Flag's gone up. It's one of those, I've looked at it back on the VO, really hard to tell if it's crossed the line or not. So we just go with the judgment of the of the referee. But uh, it was certainly, um, you know, not a great start. And then following on from that, I think pretty much 
all of the goals, every goal that we we let in was a set piece. They're very good, good uh, dead ball players. You know, they really do put in accurate crosses and and play to their strengths. And unfortunately for us, you know, even with some big bigger lads in our 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 side, we're not a short team. You know, we've got players that are six one, six two, but they just weren't able to um, compete in the air with with some of these guys. And I think. The final, the final result was six two. Um, I think all of their goals, other than one, was from a, a set piece, a, you know, a, a lofted ball into the box. And on the day, we just couldn't, we couldn't compete with it. I think, you know, if we'd had a fuller squad and, and had more of our regulars around, I think we could have closed that gap a bit. But to be honest, they were very good on the day. No complaints whatsoever. Um, Big shout to John, who scored two great goals for us. You know, um, he had a, a really solid game. It was just one of those days where we couldn't really compete with the size and and, and the accuracy of the balls uh, with the squad that we had. So it was a bit of a disappointing um, end to the season. But the positives outweigh the negatives. You know, we're very happy with how the team's come along generally. And that result um, meant that, Bexley secured the uh, league, so congratulations to to Bexley on a really good season, and worthy champions. You know, I think they've they've won the won the league with you know maybe five games to spare, five points rather to spare. Five games would be good, but five points to spare. And looking at our table now going forward, we've got Club Langley, um, Long Lane at second rather, Club Langley a third, and Welling Park a fourth, and. Metrogas are fifth. Now, in theory, all of those clubs are still in with a shot of um, taking the second place. Um, there's just two points between Metrogas and Long Lane in second, so second to fifth. So there's a big um, round of games to come. Um, it's really going to be tight as it has been all season in our division so we'll, we'll look forward to that and we'll do a catch up on that um, when we come back next season and fill in the gaps on uh, how that battle went and, and, and who took the second place. Um, looking at the bottom of our division, commiserations um, to Belvedere and Crockenhill. Uh, Belvedere just confirmed relegation last week, uh, South East Athletic Played Crockenhill and um, I understand Crockenhill couldn't field a full side, but credit to them, they still turned up and you know tried uh, and played the game, which says a lot about them. Um, and with the uh, numerical disadvantage um, and Southeast Athletics um, in much improved form over the last few games, um, I think that finished twelve nil. So. It's a bit of a, a a harsh end to the season for Crockenhill, but you've got to admire their spirit. You know, I know many teams with eight or nine players in the squad. You know, for a match day, probably wouldn't turn up. So you've got to say hats off to them, and you know they've they've done it the sporting way and, and fair play. And um, I wish them all the best next season. I hope they can get their squad balanced and, and, and stop, try and make their way back up the divisions because I know historically they've been a very good side in Kent County so it would be great to see them coming back up and uh, playing some good games next season. Um, Belvedere, hard lines there as well. They're, they've just um, f- fell short there on 
nine points for the season. South East Athletic on 12 points with two games to go, or one game to go rather, because they've had that adjustment now. So, um, you know, looking looking very positive for South East Athletic for next season. Um, if they can carry on the form that they've shown in the last five games, then I'm sure better things are to come for them as well. Um, we've got a uh, slight different change to the interview this week. We're, we're going to be joined by Darren Kempson, who's um, Skeffel and Kent County League referee. And we're going to have a conversation on it from the referee's point of view, which is really interesting. It's a really good interview. So um, please join us for that, which will be coming up next. Well, on a slight change to our normal run with the managers, uh, we're going to get an insight this week from Darren Kempson, who's a Level 5 referee. Darren, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you, Mick. Um, doing very well and uh, excited to speak to you and um, try and give you a viewpoint from uh, from the middle of the pitch rather than uh, from a manager's point of view on the sidelines today. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, as I say, it's... Uh, it's one of the toughest jobs in football, no doubt. We all think what we do is the toughest, but I've got nothing but respect for anyone that gets in. It's, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, without the referees, there's no there's no game, is there? You know, so it's a key part of it. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your views on on the game. And, um, and then just to get started, a little bit about how you first got into football then. Were, were you a player originally or? Uh, yeah, I mean, my... My history of football goes right back to, um, I suppose, when I was nine or ten years old and started first playing junior football. Um, huge football fan before that, then got involved, um, went through all the age groups yeah. uh, as a player, all the way through to 18s and then into senior football. Um, was, that, was that in the London area or were you playing? It was in the London area, yeah. yeah. We, um, all through the sort of youth systems in, um, in London um, and then once into... Getting into senior football, it was um, a decent standard Sunday football um, with um, London and Kent Border, the old London and Kent Border League, mm-hmm. um, and carried on playing through until basically my son come along, um, and then once he got to wanting to play football himself, it was then I suppose a case of um, what most other dads have to do is sort of step back and um, dedicate your time to taking him to football and, and watching him play. Um, exactly right. So I then went down that road and. Um, Somehow found myself coaching his team, which wasn't the plan. It was just to be a dad and uh, and uh, cheer him on. But ended up becoming uh, the coach of Long Lane Junior Team um, yeah. for I suppose about five or six years, um, and then stepped away from that and um, sort of missed the buzz really of the sort of the match day football. After that, I just became a dad after that and just started watching him play. But then missed the actual match day, uh, waking up in the morning and being involved in it. Um, mm. So. After about sort of two or three years of uh, just watching my son play, thought about how I could get back into football. Um, thought about going back into playing again, maybe a bit of vets football. Um, I had a, two or three offers of going back into coaching, which I didn't really want to go back into. Um, and it sort of had a bit of a light bulb moment of thinking, well, what about refereeing? Which is something I'd never really give it any thought before. But just once I sort of thought of it, it sounded like a good idea at the time. And um and then just looked at sort of enrolment into um, referee courses and just mm-hmm. basically thought to myself, well, it's something I'll give a go. And if it's not for me, then I'll just step away. Mm-hmm. Um, but took the course, um, 
So how long ago was this? About three, three or four years ago, you say? Yeah, that was. I think it was. I mean, you start losing the time, but with COVID mm. and breaks and things I like know, that. Yeah. I think it, it was. It was just before COVID that I took the course, um, and then um, I passed. Yeah, I think it was the season just before COVID um, that I that I got the pass through the the um, the course and started out at just dipping my toe in really and starting youth youth football mm-hmm. to start with to see if I liked it enjoyed it mm-hmm. um, and then um, in the summer enrolled into the uh, to be a referee in the Kent County League mm-hmm. and also as an assistant referee on the Scaffold League amazing so I mean let's just to look into it a bit more because I think there's probably a lot of people out there that kind of had that thought about you know can I be a referee what's needed and you know how do you go about it and it's certainly something that all leagues are crying out for you know there's certainly Kent League do a very good job because we, we, we've been probably 100% covered this season and and even on some games you know bigger games we've had three three match officials so they do a really good job there but I know obviously once you get down to district league and maybe junior football league it, it becomes a you know a bit more scarce and you don't you're not always guaranteed to have one so people that are looking to get into it how, how, how did you go how did you go about it where, where did you find out what was in, what was needed to uh, to get involved so I just basically looked it up looked on the FA website um, right. just a, a Google search really of F, um, FA referee courses and mm-hmm. as luck would have it there was one about to start in a couple of weeks time after I looked um so i um i signed up onto that that was a, a two-day course um two full days as well it was starting at 10 o'clock in the morning and um not finishing until sort of about three in the afternoon two days mm-hmm. over at, um, the marathon ground right on shooters oh, right. hill, so shooters hill. Uh, yeah. not far from yeah. yeah no not at all not at all and um really enjoyed the course really found it um useful insightful mm. Um, thought I knew most of the laws of the game, but actually turned out I hardly knew anything at all. So, don't don't um, we all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was two full days. So just a little bit on that. I mean, what 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 was the, on the syllabus? Obviously, what was what was the kind of what was? Is it, I guess that's like an introduction to refereeing, and that would get your foot on the ladder to start looking at games straight after that, or is there? Is there a longer it was, process? No, yeah, it was pretty much that. It was, I mean, I think, you know, that was a sort of a pretty in, intense way of mm. doing it was the two full days. You can sort of, obviously, if you, there are t- courses that you can do where it's maybe two hours a night um, over the space of maybe three or four weeks, you know, one yeah. one one session a night over three or mm. four weeks. But I thought this was suited me in my work situation mm. so I could do it. Um, once you've um, basically teach you every sort of aspect of the laws of the game over that two days, um you're then expected to um referee um five matches um at any age group whether that be senior or junior um and i know with a kent fa they try and get you uh mentors to come and watch um at least two or three of those games mm-hmm. so that you know if you're going anywhere wrong or anything that they can sort of tighten up to improve um the aspect of refereeing and then they're there to help you through that Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically you're, you're out into the big big wide world really of refereeing right. um, and um, you know when you start off obviously you're on your own you, you won't be appointed um, league assistant uh, assistant referees you're, you're, you're working with club assistants yeah. um, and then as you sort of work yourself up to mm-hmm. higher sort of um, levels into the, the premier division of the Kent County and the scaffold 
you're then given um, assistant referees. But to start with, you're, you're pretty much on your own. So you're all on your own. So you've done your, you've done your um, two days uh, training. Then you've had a little bit of mentoring at some of the games. And then with that, just just something that's interesting to me, obviously when you uh, look at junior football, there's kind of different um, rules for different age groups, isn't there? Do you, are you mainly focused on 11 aside for that? For that course that you do and you go straight in yeah well that, the only thing they ask you of the five uh matches before you then um are qualified um is that the the matches involved are uh matches that involve assistant referees so therefore you couldn't do uh five aside football you couldn't do um seven aside football the yeah. i think um, assistant referees start at um, nine aside so that's yeah. you have to do those um right. for your first five games before you're then signed off as as a level seven, mm-hmm. um, so that's the only thing that they ask of you. Okay, that's quite interesting. And and then just to, for people that might be interested, I know it was a couple of years ago, so it probably changes a little bit. But what sort of costs are involved in um, doing these? I know is there any help from the FA if they're trying to get people in, or is it fairly reasonable? If from memory, I believe it was round about hundred and maybe hundred and thirty pounds, something like that. Um, if I remember rightly as well, I believe possibly the Westfer League um, on a Sunday was introducing um, to try and uh, get referees on board. They were subsidising the cost of a referee course um, mm-hmm. to try and encourage people to take the course and you know, potentially join their league and, or any league after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's round about what they are. Um, oh, okay. so it's but ag- very... Again, it's... I was going to say it's... it's 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 a bit of an outlay, and then obviously you've got your yeah. kit that you have to then pay for after that. But I mean, within three, four, five games, it's pretty much paid itself it's in the match good. fees that you would get back. Yeah, yeah. And as we know, like you know, we'll, we'll go on to the different levels of football. But on a Sunday, you know, just from my old days, you know that you can have three games on one pitch in a day, can't you? You can get there to a ten o'clock, twelve o'clock, two o'clock, and you've probably almost got most of that back just in one one afternoon. So. It, it's not too too expensive, and I like the idea of leagues doing that, particularly leagues where they're struggling. It um, can help people, you know. Any incentive to get people doing it is is fantastic, and if it means that they get, you know, they subsidise it on the back of you agreeing to do a season with them or whatever, and it helps them in numbers, and it's a win win, isn't it? So absolutely, that's, very, that's very good. So talking about levels, then, because it's something that's. Um, maybe not everybody realises, you know, they just think a referee is a referee, but you just touched on when you first qualified and went through your your first set of games and you were a, a level seven referee. So how does that how does that work with the levels and what, what does it mean to the leagues that you can play in? So the levels work, um, you start off when you first become a referee as a level seven um, and then you can go through, you choose to, if you like, to go through the, the promotion schemes. Promotion would then take you to six, five, four, three. Then it gets a little bit complicated with level 2B, 2A, um, and then sort of onward into the um, uh, select panel of referees is what you what you see in the uh, the top flight in, in English football in the Premier League. Um, but you level. Exactly that, yeah. So um, you start off as a level seven. You can stay a level seven for as long as you like. There's no, uh, you're not forced to then go for promotion if you don't want to. But if you choose to, um, then you you enrol in the promotion scheme. Um, 
each level has different criteria that you have to meet over the period of the season. So your your promotion season would start in September with with the, the start of the football season and end in the end of April. Um, my um, promotion season this season meant that I had to cover uh, fifteen uh, matches at a certain level. Um, I had to do ten as an assistant referee on a, on a particular level, and then I was um, I have an, uh, what they call observers or assessors who then come to uh, a minimum of four or five uh, matches and they assess you. Um, they're there to mark you on everything that you get right, everything that you get wrong, and then that's sent off to the FA um, for them to ponder, I suppose, over the space of a season of who um, gets promotion at the end of the season. So uh, right. each each promotion, whether it be seven to six, six to five, all come with um, uh, slightly different um, criteria that you have to meet. Um, club marks sometimes come into it as well, that the managers vote for you. Uh, give you a mark out of 100 in your matches. They can, um, although they don't dictate whether you get promoted, they can sometimes, um, they can come to, sometimes come into effect of, of of whether you'll get promoted or not. Um, but the majority of which comes down to um, an assessor's or a match day referee coach um, and their marks. Right. So it, starting at level seven then, does that, does that, uh, does that say if you're a level seven ref, you can only referee up to a certain league level, and then it it, got, it kind of progresses as you as you go up the levels. It does, yeah. So level seven would allow you to um, referee pretty much any grassroots match. Um, so that would be anything you see on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. That would be Kent County, um, uh, the Kent County League, up to probably Division One. Level six um, would creep you into then the Kent County Premier Division. Mm-hmm. Um, and level five would get you um, then onto what they call the football pyramid. So that would get you onto steps, um, can get you onto step uh, six, which is the Scaffold Division one. Um, level four, Scaffold Premier Division, and um, on the as an assistant referee in the Isthmian. Um, and and so on, really. So yeah. the more the levels the more, you go up, the, you go. the more up yeah, the up right. the up the step yeah. pyramid um, yeah. of the football ladder. Yeah, amazing. And then, so you're saying with the assessors, just that's quite interesting. So you always kind of you've got to have an external person from the FA. I would assume would be a experienced referee or somebody like that that would come and look at you to promote the people looking for a promotion. And do you get any feedback on that? Do you get to see? For critiquing and sort of self development, how where you did well and where you need to move on from, does that come in the form of a letter? Do you sit down with the with someone from the FA and kind of go through it all at the end of the season? It's good, just an insight uh, for me. I'm, I find it, it fascinating. Yeah, so it it has changed slightly over the last year or two in that the six uh, seven to six and the six to five is not so much observers now. It's what they call match day referee coaches. Um, who work in a very similar way to an observer, but they become almost more like a mentor in that you exchange numbers and you would go to. So I, I'm also a, a, re, a match day referee mentor. So I've um, mentored a, a couple of referees on the seven to six um, pathway this season. Um, so you go to see them. 
you introduce yourself. Um, it, there's no surprises. You won't ever get an observer or a match day coach just turn up out of the blue and take you by surprise. They will let you know that they are going to be watching that particular game that you're going to be um, refereeing that that weekend. Um, and then you basically go over everything of what you know what you're sort of expecting them to do. You would then watch the game. Um, from a referee coach, you would then speak to them possibly at half time just to, to sort of guide them if they're doing anything slightly wrong or something they more to the point slightly better. Um, and then afterwards, again, you'd, you'd, you'd have a good debrief after the match um, and just point them in the right direction of, of, of certain things, pretty much like a, a manager does or a coach with his players, you know, certain things that you might have done, um, you know, not, not quite right or maybe got something wrong in law um, and then just guiding them again to try and sort of erase those mistakes and, and, and praise them for things that they're doing right and tell them and encourage them to keep on doing it that way. Um, when it then goes into the higher levels, it then becomes observers who work in a similar way, but they're not quite your friend. Um, they're not quite your mentor. They, um, they're there to, um, to make sure that everything is done by the book. Um, they will mark you out of a score of 100 they will mark you down if you get anything wrong in law. Um, and so you're, um, you're then expected to, to make sure you get pretty much everything right. They, they understand that refereeing is, um, is not just black and white. That is very subjective for a lot of the decisions that are made in matches. Um, so, you know, they're not the, the big bad wolf. They, they, they are there to help you as well. Um, mm -hmm. And you'd sit down in the dressing room after the match and have a debrief and go over everything. And that, report would then you would get a copy of it that week and also um the local county fa would also get a report on that as well interesting so from with the more junior refs it's more of a kind of development and a an improvement and mentoring thing but obviously once you get up the levels then it's well you, you should know what you're doing now so we're not here to to help you with your actual game and come in and chat at half time we're here to score you and see if you're capable of, of going up the level. And obviously, from that, I guess, you know, as with anything, you you can learn after the event from that score and what, and the feedback you get. But I guess it's quite, it must add a, another layer of um, kind of intensity to a, to a game when you're preparing for it. Does it kind of add to, the, add to the dynamic of it, knowing that you've got an assessor there that day? Does it kind of change anything the way that you you set up for it or do you just kind of have to go out and and, and just do your normal thing it, it no i mean it, it's obviously it adds a little bit more pressure to it and mm. if it, it what it also does is it means you have to follow everything by the letter of the law mm. where sometimes things like um players undergarments uh if a team is playing in white and a player has a black undergarment you may overlook something like mm. that not saying that you should, but no. you, it's been known to. Yeah. If you have an observer there watching you, that is something that they will mark you down on. Yeah. So it's important that um, when you speak to the teams beforehand, you let them, the managers know of what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, it then becomes sometimes a little bit, um, can become agitated, the managers or players, because the way they look at it is, well, I wore it last week. I wore it the week before that. I wore it the month before that. Nobody said a thing to me. And now you're mm. just being really busy. And it's not a case of being busy. It's a case of I have someone who's going to mark me down if mm. I don't carry out what I need to do with, or yeah. which is states in the laws of the game. Yeah. Um, so it can just sometimes start off on the wrong foot. 
mm-hmm. um, before the ball's even been kicked. But technically, I've got to save my backside because if I don't say something, then I'm going to get it in the neck from the observer in the dressing room after the match. Mm-hmm. So you're you're currently level level five at the minute, Darren. You're saying, and that that so based on what you just told me, that new information I've got, that means you can referee up to scaffold one. Yeah, so um, I'm on the promotion uh, promotion scheme this year from five going to hopefully get into to, uh, level four. So the level that I can referee at at the moment is scaffold division one. Mm-hmm. Um, and an assistant referee in the Scaffold Premier Division. Good standard. Um, yeah, and then if I get the promotion this year, that would then move me up one more step. So I'd be then a referee in the Scaffold Premier Division and on the line in the uh, Eastman League. But then it also opens up a few other windows. You can do the um, the Premier League under eighteen games. So you'd be mm-hmm. doing the the Premier League academies. Um, and if you get to four, you. In a way, you're sort of owned by the FA. They dictate where and when you're refereeing. Um, right. I mean, you, you obviously you give them your availability. Yeah. But then it's up to them to place you in matches. You whereas so you can't say, "I want to just stick into Kent this year or London." If they can say, "Well, within a, re- a reasonable distance," I expect where you go. Exactly that. Right, yeah, okay. exactly that. Where where you are at level five is. I mean, at the moment, I. I join the leagues that I want to join. So therefore my two leagues this season have been the Kent County League and the Scaffold League. And that's mm-hmm. where I do all my football. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I, as I say, if I, if I do get my promotion, then you know, I have to, I take on board that I have to sacrifice that a bit. And then the FA will then dictate to me where I'm refereeing, whether it be in the middle, whether it be on the line, it's totally mm-hmm. at their call really. So, and then a little bit of, a, I guess it's a bit of a change then, because when you're looking refereeing a game and, and, and running the line, differences there? I mean, it's it's obviously a bit more, I guess there's a bit more um, technically to it when you're in the middle, but do you have to, certain adjustments you make when, you, when you're doing the line? Because it it's a different role, isn't it? It is a different role, but to be honest, you're doing, you're doing a lot of both roles all the way through the season. You're never, uh, you're never just sort of in the middle for maybe two or three months and then all of a mm. sudden you're on the line and you're thinking, how do I hold this flag again? Mm. Um, because you're doing both roles regularly. I mean, if I'd done four Saturdays in a month, the likelihood is it will probably be two in the middle, two on the line. So mm. you're regularly um, fresh to the role. You're, you're, not forgetting, you're not forgetting how to ride a bike, so to speak. Absolutely. I oh, know it's quite interesting. Man. So how's your season been so far then? It's, it's all pretty much coming to the business end now, isn't it? I know we finished like two weeks ago and I've seen the cup finals are coming up soon and, and all of that. So you've been refereeing a little bit in Kent and, and a little bit in Scaffold, you say. I think we were fortunate enough to have you for one of our games or, or maybe two this season down at Meridian. And um, it does make a difference having a good referee. It's one of the questions I was going to ask you is, you know, when you're doing scaffold, obviously, and Kent Prem, you've got, you've got unbiased, you've got professional, well, you've got lines persons with you, assistant referees rather, that are going to help you and, and they're kind of unbiased and you can trust them. When, when it comes to um, Division One in Kent, we're, we're below that old step seven. So effectively, we end up with coaches or subs running the line for you. So it must that must make it a bit more difficult for you when you're doing your decisions in the middle. I'll come to one point that I've got for you from a game we had. But yeah, do, you know, it, it must that must be um, a bit of a different 
mindset, I guess, when you go from scaffold to a, a game where you haven't got the officials with you to support you. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, the um, it, it does make your life a hell of a lot easier, I must admit, with working with assistant referees, particularly experienced ones. Um, it's a bit of a lottery, really, with um, when you're working with club assistants. Some are very, very good. Um, mm-hmm. Some are, that I've I've worked with actually, believe it or not, been better than league-appointed assistant mm-hmm. referees. They've been really, really good. Other ones, not so much. Some, some sort of fall behind play when the um, the ball you know gets pinged from back to front. It's mm-hmm. the, the, you know they're, they're caught on the hills sometimes and mm-hmm. um, get caught challenging the, their mates. Yeah, on the mobile phone, something like that. Um, but and also, I mean, one of the things that I do when I have league appointed assistants is I give them a bit more leeway to get involved in the game. If they mm-hmm. see a foul or a handball that's close to them, I'm quite happy for them to flag. They know what, what a foul and a handball is. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for them to flag and, I, and I'll go with their decision if they see it in front of them. Um, I don't tend to allow that to happen with um, with club assistants mm-hmm. um, just because more than anything, if one, if you allow that to happen, if one club assistant starts flagging for a handball or a free kick, you can bet your bottom dollar that within five minutes, the other club assistant on the other side of the pitch is going to think, well, if he's allowed to give decisions, I'm going to start giving them fouls and handballs as well. And then yeah. before you know it, you, you, you've lost your own match control, really, because you're now mm. having two assistant referees who are not um, who are not qualified. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I hear that. what you're saying. Exactly that. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it can help when you, you know, because from a manager's point of view, obviously, uh, we'll come to how, how difficult it can be for a referee. We can see, you, you can see sometimes it's easier to see things outside the pitch because you're looking at, you know, you've got that sort of 360 view where you just turn your head, you can see everything. When you're in the middle of the park, it's very difficult because you've got stuff going on around you, behind you, in front of you. So it's an extremely tough task about having that, the rest of your team on the line with you, but we, we we've seen a few things, and it's not you know I'm not going to start digging out referees because that's not what it's all about. We're here to support referees, and how how well they do. Some really good examples have been you know where you can see a player you know offside rules for example that lead to goals. You can see a player with the ball running past the player and scoring, and then the flag goes up, and there's nothing more infuriating than for a referee uh, for a manager or you know the team when the, the offside gets, yeah, that's a good offside um, because, you know, the referee wasn't quite up with play or whatever reason. He's just gone with the linesman. Um, one of the good things I say is we had you for one game and we, we came up exactly against that situation. We were we were getting out, I think it was at Quinocchial. We were, we were well off. It was, yeah. We was being out-possessed. They were murdering us. I mean, you know, they must have they had all the ball. Our keeper was, you know, had a blinder. He's saving, parry saving. And then we break through, goal. As soon as the goal hits the net, one nil up, I think we're going to rob them here. The, the flag goes up. And I'm like, oh, no, like, you know, don't do that. You could see he was on. Don't do that. And I was just, natural reflex was, I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's not going to get given. But then you was in the middle of the pitch and you saw the whole situation in front of you and, you know, you dealt with it perfectly. So, you know, it's a really good example of, being well placed and, and what you can do, you know, by you know, by by a good piece of refereeing, really, it changed the outlook of the game for us. So, you know, well done on that. And I'm, I, and when when you see that the first time, the score, you know, would have been good from us. But 
also you, you, you get that confidence in when you, you know, as a manager, when you see certain referees' names coming up, you think sometimes you think, you know, we're, we're not we're not going to get a good good referee today. But it's all about sort of how you how you nurture the refs, I guess, to get them up to that level that they need to be. Um, and I must say, with the county this year, I've been very happy with with the with the refereeing that we've had. You know, I've not I've managed not to get myself booked or anything. I've had a really good season. But it must, you know, it must be quite difficult for you when you're in that situation. You know, how what what sort of goes through your mind there, where you see a goal and you know the pressure's going to be on, the flags up. How, how do you kind of evaluate that? Yeah, I mean, it's really difficult. Um, as I say, it's always best to have league-appointed assistant referees or qualified assistants because it, it, it's hard enough keeping your eye on 22 players, two benches, and a football pinging around the pitch for you then to try and keep an eye on a uh, an assistant referee and to make sure that he's keeping up with play, mm. that he's in a good position and that when he does flag, that he's in a credible position, that he's looking along the line and he's seen it. It's just adding more workload to my job, if you like. Mm. Um, as I say, some are fantastic. Some who do it week in, week oh, out, absolutely. become really good at it. Um, I say most people, most, like you say, it's not an, an integrity question for me. Most no. are absolutely honest. It's just that, they probably, you know, some of them, they're the sub, they don't want to be doing it and they probably not run the line that well. Ex- and not, not exactly that. And I mean, enough, yeah. I mean, one of the things I say to the, to the linesmen as well, it, it, when, before we kick off and I, I hand them the flag, is that, you know, to say to them, you know, look, if you, if, please don't put the flag up until the offside player touches the ball. Because so many times, mm-hmm. you know, a cross will come in from the right, a player will be in an offside position, they'll go straight away and bang the flag straight away. Mm-hmm. But it's not actually that player who then goes towards the ball. It'd be someone in the middle and then confusion starts. So I try to, to say to them, you know, don't flag until that offside player touches the ball. Yeah. The problem, though, Mick, is that that may be a substitute. And then within 20 minutes, he then comes on the pitch and another substitute takes the flag. And yeah. everything that you've told them and everything that they've listened to and abided to has now gone out the window because it's now a brand new person who's got the flag and you certainly ain't going to go over to every single person who takes the flag and, and, and relay no, the same message over and over again. Yeah. You do, yeah. And I can see it from, the, I mean, it, it's, it must be very difficult for the for the linesman as well, you know, like if they're a player and their team's just conceded a goal and it's an important goal for the team and he, he's got 10 of his teammates screaming at him offside, offside, you know, there's a lot of pressure there on them as well, which isn't fair, you know, to to put it up, you know, so it's a difficult one, isn't it? So with, with the season, this uh, well, this season, uh, Kent and, and Scaffold, um, how have you found it? Have you have you had a good season? I've enjoyed it, yeah. it's It's been um, joining the Scaffold um, in the middle this season has, um, has been a challenge because it's the next step up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it's it, it's gone very well. Um, I was lucky to uh, be appointed to referee the um, Scaffold playoff final um, last week between oh, Lidtown. Tooting, wasn't it? And Lid? Lidtown yeah. and Tooting, Tooting Beck, yeah. Um, I, was, I was given the, the honour of refereeing that match. High profile. Yeah. Um, biggest, you know, big, pre- big pressure yeah, match. Pro- biggest yeah, the, the biggest Scaffold, probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, the biggest game that I've, I, I've done mm-hmm. in terms of, of you know, what what's at the end of the... Uh, you know, at the end of the line there of, of one team gets promoted and another one's season just sort of, you know, start oh, all over again the following season. So, but, yeah. um, you know, I got good feedback off um, 
the uh, one of the referee secretaries in the SCEF who was at the match. Both managers were happy with the performance. Um, so, yeah, it felt good. Uh, there was a good crowd there, um, which, you know, keeps you concentrated, that's for sure. Mm. Um, and, yeah, and it's been a pretty good season. And um, as I say, just hoping now that in the next sort of two or three weeks to find out from the FA if, uh, if I've managed to get that promotion and to move on to level four. Well, it all sounds very promising. The fact that you've, you've been given that marquee game at the end of the season to, to, to you know, to manage, that's that's fantastic. And, I, I mean, with the pressures on refereeing, just another angle on it, have you have you noticed any change with social media? I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, there was a game on Saturday, and it was a similar one. It was the Scaffold Prem playoff. So, in that one, the, the, the runner-up, plays the bottom team in the Isthmian, don't they? So it's That's kind right. of like, even if you finish bottom of the Isthmian, you're not necessarily done. You get another chance in a playoff to, to keep your position. And it was two local rivals. It, it couldn't have been closer, Phoenix and, and VCD, at, at VCD. And I think it went, you know, it all went pretty much through it. And I think it was a 1-0 to Phoenix in the end. I'm not sure if that was extra time. I know a penalty was involved. But then you kind of start seeing the, you know, John's video footage from the side of what could have been a penalty, super slow mode and things like that. So even without having the benefit of like the elites do with the technology and all of that, you're kind of um, open to kind of DIY technology where everyone's got their own cameras on it and things like that. Have you have you found that adds uh, another element of kind of um, scrutiny or, or, or kind of difficulty to, to referee in the, the, the matches nowadays? It does. I mean, ultimately, you go out and you try to do the, the mm. best and, and give every decision on, on, on what you see and what you hear to the best of your ability. We're human. We are going to get things wrong. There's the same as players will misplace a pass or miss an open goal, miss a penalty, a goalkeeper lets one through his hands and it goes in. We make mistakes as much as anybody. Yeah. Um, we've... Um, social media um, fans are very, very quick to to upload videos of any mistakes that a referee will make. Um, they don't tend to upload anything where they say a referee's made a fantastic decision. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Um, no, right. But this is yeah. Look, this is the world we live in. Um, everybody's mm. got a phone. Everybody's um, got a camera on their phone, and everybody wants to be a. Uh, um, uh, a Twitter sensation and, and mm. get loads of comments and likes and, mm. and things like that. It's just something we have to live with. There's nothing mm. we can do about it. it. And, and, and we go with it. We hope that, you know, that we're, we're shown in a good light um, mm. when, when these videos are uploaded um, and people can understand the reason that we give. It may not be the right decision, but, you know, you hope that they can understand the reason why we gave it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from what we, from what I've seen this season in the, in our division, certainly, you know the, the standard's been good, and and as long as the integrity is there, you, you never get any. You know you don't get any complaint, any complaints from us. You know we we appreciate that it's 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 a vital part of football. You know if we carry on, you know, overdoing it on Twitter or you know balling out and just making it, you know, really and not not enjoyable for officials. You know we're not there. They're not there. You know we're not. All, we're, we're all there because we enjoy football. We're all there because. We've got a love of the game, and you know it is it is about respect, isn't it? That's the big you know if I, in 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 quotation marks. But 
it's that mutual respect and you hope that you know if people can kind of get that right then we can get more you know young referees coming through and and kind of you know pushing it up because that's the only way it will improve wouldn't it be great if you know if if every Saturday Kent County could have three match officials you know wouldn't that make it a lot better for everybody wouldn't the, the managers would love it you know the teams would love it the, the officials would, would would enjoy it but you've got to get the numbers and you know you're not you're not going to get that by being overly criticized or or overly negative press or whatever that might be you know yeah i mean there's you know there, there is a real lack of referees and i know that each um each county in in the country are, are really pushing to try and get referees first on board mm. and then try and push them through the promotion scheme to make them better um to encourage them to give them as much help and support as that as they can get I think um, the number of referees took a real nosedive during COVID, um, I think, because a lot of referees, um, once they got away, there was no football. They, they took up other things, whether that be um, you know, fishing, whether it be golf, whatever it might be, mm. and then just sort of thought to themselves, actually, this ain't too bad. You know, I've been refereeing for the last 15, 20 years, being shouted out on a Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning, whatever it may be. Yeah. And actually, this ain't too bad. I found something else to sort of um, do with my time and and lost every FA in the country, lost a lot of referees during that time. Um, and that is a big, um, you know, a big push to try and get referees to either come back or to, to, to start up and, and use refereeing as a as a platform of, of their, their daily sort of Saturdays and Sunday mornings. The, the teams have to play their part as well to, to keep those referees, you know, to work with them and understand that, um, you know, they're there to to uphold the laws of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and football is such a subjective sport in mm-hmm. that, you know, what a player may perceive as a foul and the referee says no play on, um, that doesn't mean that that player's right and it doesn't make the referee wrong. If you've got 50 people in a room, 25 will tell you that's a, a free kick. 25 will tell you it's not. It's yes. it's subjective. It's, that's um, that's why we love some it. Things, yeah, yeah. Some things are going to go for you. Some, yeah. you, know, you, some days you're going to get the penalty. Other days it's going to be waved away. Yeah. Um, some days you're going to collect that yellow card that you don't think you deserved. Um, other days you'll get away with it. It's it, That's the way that it works. And I think the way, you know, if, if players can work with referees like that and understand that, um, I know it's, look, it's it's a passionate game and I, I'd mm. never want to take passion away from football. It's why we love it. But sometimes passion gets in the way of um, seeing things from a from a different perspective rather than yeah. just your own. Sometimes and I think that... There's a little it, bit of that rationality, can't you? When absolutely. You, and I think if players see that and just sort of take two or three seconds to just sort of realise it and, and okay, understand that, okay... I, I believe the referee's wrong, but okay, he's gave a decision. You know, you look at sort of referees in rugby and you think, wow, the, the mm-hmm. difference between the, the respect that they gain from the players in yeah. rugby than they do in football is just, you know, is amazing. Um, it'd be great if we could go down that way. I don't think it will. But, no, you know, well, we you know what? It's a journey. Way, it's a exactly journey, that. isn't it? Exactly yeah. that. And it'd be great to see the FA do more to, you know, we are in a financial crisis. I know everybody's struggling, but, you know, little things like, you know, sponsoring the fee or, you know, getting things in so that you get over that financial, you know, hurdle, because that can be a limiting factor, particularly for young people, you know, trying to get into the game. 
what might not be considered a lot for somebody in their 30s with a, with a reasonable job, somebody who's 20 and at college or whatever and wants to do it, that, that 150 quid could be the difference between them, them taking it on or not. So I'm sure there'll be, you know, um, ideas and things coming up over the, in the, in the future to help with that. But we'll, we certainly all need it. And, and you're right. It is objective. You know, we watch uh, and subjective rather. We, I'm for my sins. I'm a, I'm a Tottenham fan. I was watching the football yesterday and, um, you know, there was one foul. Um, I think, um, our midfielder, um, got, kicked in the head and uh, caught him and uh, it was Skip, I think. It went down and, you know, at first you might think, oh, he's he's making a meal of it. Then you look and you can see the blood coming off the side of his face and then you think, well, he's at a standing height. He's got kicked in the head. The player's facing him, irrelevant of whether it's intentional or not. You you know, whether you're meant to kick him in the head or not, the fact that you put your foot up there is dangerous. And in my view, I'm thinking, that's a red card. He's got to go, you know, Spurs, Spurs shirt on at the time. Um, but then he gets a yellow and then you think, oh, right, OK, well, what have I missed there? And VAR have looked at it and, you know, they're experts, he's elite, you know, and they've looked at it on the telly, seen the angles, back the referee, yellow, so fine, that's done. And then he scores the goal at the end of the game and the winning goal and you think, well, should have even been on in my view, he shouldn't have been, but he's done it. And then, but that's, you know, elite referees and they've looked at it and it's not gone, it's not gone as a red. But this is where the subjective comes in. Then you go to the players and all, you know, Tunis and, and all of that, they're all there saying, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a red card, that's a red card. And and that's the difference, isn't it? You know, there's the laws and there's the, the application of the law and then there's the looking at something and thinking, well, that doesn't look right. It should be a red. But actually, the yellow card was probably the right decision, but bearing in mind that it's been looked at and, and they're, they're happy with it. So you're always going to get that. And that's at the very, very top, the highest level of football. So... You know what? What, what chances um, a referee got in the middle with a sub and a sub on the side and, and something going on around them? You, you've got to make you know allowances and, and appreciate that not every decision is going to be seen and not every decision is going to be how you see it. You know, given the way you want and just having that understanding, I think will go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and of course, the the amount of times that you you will see in a, in a match where you know a, a player. Um, goes in um, at speed um, on another player and uh, and wins the ball. Um, mm. But it is deemed as um, serious foul play because of the, the speed and mm. um, the challenge and a referee produces a red card and mm. the first thing a player would say, well, I won the ball. Mm. But that doesn't make it, um, that doesn't make it a fair tackle. Even no, though you may have won old, that ball, old school. You, when I used to play football in the nineties, you could exactly. do what you want if you got the ball first. But they they soon realised, you know, probably twenty odd years ago, that actually it's not enough reason just to get the ball. If by getting the ball, you're going to injure somebody seriously. Well, um, in the same game, um, and and the, the same player, Oliver Skip, a little bit earlier on in that same game, um, he made a challenge where he won the ball, but his follow through went through and took the player's ankle. Mm. Um, that's questionable. That that could well be a red card as well. But yeah. you, you say that to someone on a Saturday or on a Sunday, and they, a player will say, "Yeah, but I've won the ball. Yeah. You can't send me off when I've won the ball." Yeah. They will now blame the referee for that, and yeah. you know that referee's crap because I've won the ball and he sent me off. Mm. But in the laws of the game, if that is deemed to be serious foul play, um, and you're coming in and endangering an opponent, then that is a red card offence, regardless of whether you win the ball or not. Yeah, 
yeah absolutely yeah and that's and that's that maybe that's a bit of knowledge maybe that's something teams can look to do with their you know managers like myself can do with the teams next season is actually have a little you know if there are courses for player awareness team awareness you know we're not all going to be expert but if there's like a a one hour or two hour FA thing that could even be online player awareness it could make life a bit easier as well I mean this is something I funnily enough what I've sort of said to a few people for a, a, a good few years now is that a sort of referee light if you like course mm. um, for players yeah. um, you know we're not expecting players to know every single law of the game images, but if, there, if there was yeah, but if there was something you know like I've just explained there with with a decision in that you know, mm. you can still be cautioned or sent off for winning the ball or getting to the ball first. You know, little things like that um, that could be maybe a, a video that could be sent out to all clubs in all mm. leagues um, mm-hmm. for the managers and the players to look at. It doesn't have to be long. It could be a five minute video yeah. um, sort of showing you some footage of um, some tackles, some some um, periods of play where you know players have been cautioned or red carded for something that will happen every single game that you see at any level. Um, but it gives you an, uh, an insight and a bit of information on on why a decision is made by a referee. Um, yeah, no, and... I'm all for that. I, I think the last time I ever went to anything FA around refereeing was probably when they brought the Simbin rule out and there was kind of a few um, lectures or whatever you want to call it, presentations for managers and, and clubs around that. I think I went to one, uh, yeah, there's a hotel in Bexley Heath. They, they had quite a, a lot of us in there and that was quite, that was interesting, you know, and then we all knew what was coming with that. And um, I, I'm not quite sure what's happened with it because from getting a player simbined every other week, I, I think I've, I've gone a whole season, probably three seasons without a single one. So maybe, maybe the message is maybe, getting across, eh? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's worked. That's what you like. Well, that's what we, that's the hope, isn't it? Yeah. But I, feel, I mean, I, I thought the, the Simbin was a, a fantastic um, thing that was brought in. Um, it's It gives players, you know, 10 minutes to, to calm down. If it's used correctly, I mean, I, I've not had to use it many times, yeah. thankfully. Um, but because a lot of time, even if you just, the threat of, of sending a player to the Simbin can sometimes do the trick. Um, if you use what we referees are taught to do, what is called the stepped stepped approach when talking to players in that, you know, you'll talk to the player first of all, if you think he's overstepping the mark, whether it be with dissent or anything else or the, some of his tackles that he's making, you speak to the player first. If that doesn't work and it continues, then you then call in the captain and explain to the captain and the player what you've already spoken to him about. And then if it continues, particularly with dissent, that's when you then use the simbin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that way, you you know, you can everybody can see that you've tried to work with this player. You've tried to help him. The captain should also be helping you to help that player as well. But if you've then gone down every avenue and it hasn't worked, well, now he has to go and sit down for 10 minutes. But then what it does, it takes him out of the game for 10 minutes. It's now affecting his team and he doesn't want yeah. that. So therefore, just the threat of the, the Symbian normally, yeah. normally works with a player that they then settle down and, and, and just try and get on with the football. And you get that peer pressure then as well from the other players. Why, exactly. why you just shut up? Why are you, you know, you're costing us now. I saw a yeah. game, uh, a, a game over um, at Fisher's Grant. It wasn't Fisher, it was Bermondsey against Brydon's first uh, when they were away there. And Bermondsey went one up and, you know, Brydon were very unlucky. They were kind of missing their chances and all that. But they had this one player in the middle and he was kind of very busy with the ref all the time. And, um 
they came in one nil down and he's talking to the ref again, he's talking to the ref again and then the ref just simbined him and, and that was it. He goes off for 10 minutes. By the time he's able to come back on, they're 3-1 down. You know, yep. it's cost them the whole game. You mm. know, maybe they would, I think Bryden would have got into it because they looked like it. But that, those, it was no coincidence. Those 10 minutes he was off, that's when the damage was done. And then, you yep. know, you're thinking to yourself, well, that's, that's something for, for that player to learn from. But also, you know, that's the respect thing then because he, next time he's in a game and he's thinking he's going to say that extra bit, he'll go back to that and think, well, actually, I cost my team there. I need to, um, learn from that and show a bit more self-control. So it's, I'd actually good, like to, it's a great tool. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see it in, in the Premier League and, and the um, Championship League 1, League 2. I mean, it, 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 it ends at um, Skeffel Premier Division. So once mm. you go into the Isthmian, they don't have sim bins. It's then mm. just yellow card, red cards with descent. I'd love to see it right from the very top. And you yeah. definitely see, uh, because a, a lot, particularly kids, when they watch football, they see players surrounding referees and believe that that's okay. If sin bins came in at that level, mm. you would then see the managers stopping players from doing that because they could not have 10 minutes of their player being off the pitch. That would stop that would then, immediately. Yeah, immediately. That would, stop, yeah. that would stop at the very top end and it would filter down. And you would then see kids or, uh, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids who are then going to senior football and thinking they're, you know, um, that they can they can speak to referees how they like, mm. it, it, it would have an effect on all the way down. And it's something yeah. I'd love to see in the Premier League. Whether it'll ever happen, I don't know. But I'll I'm love a to fan see of it because I'm, I'm not I'm not overly a fan of having different rules for, for different, you know, I think football's football and how you play it on a Sunday, it should be the same rules all the way up to the World Cup final, you know. But yeah. obviously technology is, you know, there's a lot of money involved at the top. So things like, goal line technology and stuff like that have come into it, which is kind of a, a bit of a differential. But things like sim bins, you know, that's not um there's no technology involved there. That's you, you no. could easily roll that up. And I know yeah, I think a few years ago, I think I remember they had some kind of descent rule where I, I might I don't think I'm imagining it. When if the players got around the ref too much on a decision, he'd move the ball forwards five yards or ten yards or something like that, wasn't there? That was a they, yeah they stick around I don't think for long it, it didn't stick around because of a lot of it is um, you had if you are some probably someone like David Beckham is their ideal shooting range would be probably from about 25 yards out and what mm. tactics were coming in were that players would um, would start arguing with a referee mm. so that therefore the referee would then put that ball another 10 yards forward mm. so then that free kick then is sort of you know is it, about sort of 18, 19 yards out, whatever it may be. Yeah. And therefore, it's then too close to goal. Yeah. And so the, the, the free kick tackle was actually, well, I don't want you to move it forward. I want it back yeah. to where it's, where I wanted it. And yeah. so they, they, they realised that teams were using that as a tactic. And rather sort of giving the, the player an option of that free kick, um, rather, do you want to move it forward 10 yards or not? Mm. Um, they were just taking it and putting it there and it wasn't mm. really working. So you're, you're right, they did bring it in, but it didn't last very long. It didn't, no. And maybe something, so maybe it's not something like you say, with Simbin, I think you'd definitely see a lot better reactions from them. At that level, they were no, you wouldn't see anything, would you? No. It would, it'd, be, it'd be madness. So, no, that's, that's a good point. Well, look, I, I think I've run out of questions for you, Darren. I'm, I, I really appreciate your time coming on. I mean, you know, it's um, really, really insightful to get another perspective on the game and, and, and hopefully 
one or two people listening might just get that um, be the little impetus they need to uh, go go on and look at a, a course this season um, and become a referee for the new season. Like you say, go on the FA website. There's courses up there all the time, and I'm sure there's local ones, whether you're in Kent or London. And, uh, you know, football needs you. No, absolutely. And, I mean, I'd, I'd encourage anybody to do it. It's um, it's the, the only regret, if I'm honest with you, about refereeing is that I didn't start it early enough. Mm. Um, I'd have loved to have sort of done it in, 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 at an early age, in my early 20s, and see where it could take you. I mean... Mm. Um, what I'm finding now is I'm sort of going up the ladder. I'm going some really lovely grounds, um, sort of mini stadiums, if you like. It's getting, mm-hmm. giving you the opportunity to some great pitches um, and being having the best seat in the ass, really, with some outstanding players as well who play mm-hmm. at a really good level. Um, and I'd encourage anybody to do it. Anybody to do it. Brilliant. Well, thanks for everything. Thanks for all you've done uh, for football this season. Uh, it is appreciated. And have a fingers crossed that you get the uh, feedback that you need for next season and uh, all the best. And maybe we can have a catch up next season, see how you got on with your uh, promotion and see where you are and see how the league, how the season goes for you. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Mick. Pleasure. Thanks so much. A big thanks to Darren. A really insightful um, perspective there from the referee's point of view. Thoroughly enjoyed that and hope uh, everyone listening did too. Um, all that's left for me to do now really is just to say thanks to everybody for listening to the show over the um, past months. I've had a great time recording and some of the feedback's been amazing. So thanks for that. And I hope you can join us next uh, season. We'll probably be back um, early August, mid once we get back into pre-season. We've got a bit to report on. Um, we'll be looking to catch up with some of the coaches that we spoke to earlier on in the episodes with myself and see how their season's finished in a bit more depth and have a look forward to how they're setting up for next season. Until then, I wish you all the best in football and look forward to seeing you all next season. Searching for players? Searching for clubs? Find players and clubs near you right now on MatchHark. Playing football could never be easier. Download MatchHark on Google Play or visit our website at matchhark.com. Truly a great match. MatchHark. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.